The Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by The Tea Clinic. Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark. This is The Tea Health Show. And in today's show, um, we are going to talk about aesthetic treatments. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome a very good friend and a longtime colleague of mine, Ilse Grunewald. She is the National Sales Director for Galderma Aesthetic South Africa. Ilse, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Mark. It's how wonderful to spend time with you this morning. And we have Sister Elise. Good morning. Um, as always, and a lovely producer, Simpiwe. Now, I've been roped into answering questions about aesthetics. And, Yay. you know, on our show, um, everyone knows me as someone that specializes in hormone optimization. But actually, my first love mm-hmm. and something that I've been doing for many, many years is uh, aesthetic treatments. And that's where I've known Ilza from for a long time. Ilza, um, I asked you to come onto the show so that you can grill me for a change. Usually I'm the one that asks the questions. Do you want to lead us off? How wonderful to spend time with you this morning, Mark. Yeah, I've known you for a long time, hey? Yeah, yeah. We've been, we've been in this industry for many years. Yeah. And you've been in the industry for for 22 years? Yeah. I um, I did my very first Botox injection on a patient uh, in 2001. Oh. So, you know what, and from there it progressed on to bigger and better things. Yeah. You've changed many patients' lives and aesthetics. Um, you've also been training a lot of colleagues and healthcare practitioners on the use of injectables. Um, And you've been doing that for how long, Mark? Um, As a trainer, I've been been training other doctors for about eight years. Um, And for me, that's one of my passions. You know Mm. what, if you've been in this industry as long as I have, um, you learn from so many great people and New and up and coming doctors come along and you know what it's our responsibility as senior injectors and advanced injectors to pass along the knowledge that we've gained and the um, experience, both good and bad, because at some point, you know what, you're gonna run into trouble and you know what at some point you also need to make a living from this industry. I, I think it's fair to say or to ask you, how how did you start in in this um, discipline, uh, medical discipline? How did what interested you to start this journey? You know what, Elise is actually quite strange. Um, after I finished my obstetric and um, gynecology specialization, I said, you know what, fifteen years of studying. I need a bit of a break. So I went to the States, but I was poor. Mm-hmm. So every time my money ran out, which was a week after I arrived, I had to find <laughs> work. And one of my friends um, there has, is a dermatologist in Miami. And he allowed me to shadow him on the aesthetic side. And then I started practicing in aesthetic medicine in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I worked in Miami and Los Angeles for, for some time. Perfect to do that. And, um, you know, when my father um, became ill, and this was back in 2002, 2003, um, I came back to South Africa and it was, do I, do I start with obstetrics and gynecology? And at that time, you know, having worked in the States for so long, I saw the amount of litigation um, and um, I decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do aesthetics um, before I go back into obstetrics and gynecology. And you know what, I stuck with it for the past 22 years. Okay. So, Mark, what what products were you did you have access to at that that stage in South 
in South Africa? Was it only toxin or was it filler as well? Actually, it was only toxin. Yeah. You know, but back in those days, um, the neuromodulator that was available in South Africa is the colloquial gnome, name for wrinkle reduction treatment. All of us know this one. It's called Botox. <laughs> now, Botox, um, for most people, refer to the treatment, not the product. So, you know, but as as medical practitioners and especially someone that trains, you know, we try and refrain, refrain from mentioning a product name. Um, but back in those days, Ills, yes, it was Botox. And I think the first filler that was available back then was the old Restylane Perlane and, and Restylane. Now, this is... Many, many, many years ago, um, I'm I'm a lover of the Galdoma range of products, which includes Restylane, because it gives you so many different tools in your tool belt. Um, but I, I've I've basically had exposure to all the major fillers that are available in in South Africa over the years. Mm. Um, currently, if you look at the aesthetic industry, you have three big players um you have your uh, neurotoxins um and in south africa there's two commercially available i think there's a new one um um it's what's it zooman um so actually there's three but two major players which is botox and disport uh botox and allegan product disport a galderma product um and Disport is, is, is not a Galdoma product in South Africa, but as far as I know, I think it's a Sino that distributes it. It's a Sino that distributes yeah. it, but it was manu- it's manufactured by Galdoma Global. Okay. And then your your big players in the filler arena are also Allegan with the Juvederm range, Galdoma with the Wrestling range. And in my practice, that's the range that I use for specific reasons. Um, and then you have two other um, companies. You have Fullmed, um, which is a, a nice brand, as well as Chroma, which um, gives you um, uh, also has a filler range. And there's others available. But you know what? Um, the big players in the industry are Allegan and Galdoma. Can basically. we can we talk a little bit about the history of this? Because in my younger days, um, when I was still a scrub nurse in theatre. You used mayonnaise that stood in the sun. I think those, um, those years, Botox was the thing, or what, what do we call it? Shall we call it Botox? But, yeah, and Botox. then, mostly surgery. Yes, absolutely. So you had your brow lifts, your eye lifts, your, your face lifts. Now, and those were surgical. Surgical procedures, yes. They still are yeah, today. But not and in the aesthetic um, field, you know what? Um, you, you need to understand that there's a place and time for each of these different That's procedures from to, yeah. injectables like uh, <clears throat> neurotoxins or Botox mm-hmm. for lines and wrinkles. Um, a little bit of tissue filler for um, in young patients, usually to accentuate the lips or to treat a nose or a chin or something like that. As we get older, um, you know what, it's the volume loss that you need to address with fillers. Uh, there's the biostimulators that's new. And then at some point, you know what, you're going to need surgery. Or if a condition is so bad, you know, there's very little that you can do with aesthetics uh, or, or non-surgical interventions. And then, you know what, for the patient to get a good result, you have to resort to surgery. So there's a place for all of these things. Hmm. Um which is very important for us as patients to understand. And, you know, but, uh, definitely from a practitioner side, you need to know what, what can be done, um, giving the patient a favorable outcome. Yeah. So, Mark, there's a lot that you can do um, in the aesthetic industry. So where do you start? I mean, if, if I'm a patient and I want to, to embark on my aesthetic journey, um, I think the first question to ask is, how do I find the right aesthetic practitioner for me? Where do I start? Ilse, 
It's a very difficult question to answer because it's so subjective to each patient, I think. In my opinion, the biggest mistake that patients make is focusing solely on social media. Mm. You know what? Um, Before and after pictures do not always tell the full story. Um, and, you know, what we see it specifically in younger patients um, who see things on social media, on TV, um, actresses, blah, 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 with a certain face shape, and they love their lips. But their facial dimensions and proportions are different. And they go and... Uh, just look at photos of lips and go to someone that does lips. And you know what? Now, instead of creating a harmonious face, you know what? You give someone Mrs. Potato Lips. Um, and I think social media is to blame for that. For me, you know what? When you want to choose a practitioner, speak to people that you know have had treatments. Mm. And, you know, but ask them, who should you go to? Mm. Um, word of mouth, I think, is the best tool that you have as a patient to choose a practitioner that suits your needs. It's, it's, it's a very, very delicate balance. Um, and there's so many variables that needs to be taken in account. And it all starts with assessing the face. So when I have a friend or a family member that refers me to a specific um, practitioner, I think that you're right in saying that because that family member or friend will know me as a patient. Uh, they will know whether I need a lot of explaining or if I need to take things slow in my aesthetic journey. Mm. Um, they will know me as a person where I might um, I, I might feel very much insecure and I would need a practitioner that will support me on that as well. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree with you, word of mouth. And um, to be careful with social media because – um, like you mentioned as well, you need to have a full face approach. And in most cases with before and afters on social media, it's just a section of the face because the patient obviously did not give consent for the practitioner to to, to share. Use the full yeah. face, yeah. So then, you know, that the impact might be a little bit um, distorted if you, if you don't have the full face view. But yeah, I, we, I agree with you. Uh, you know what, I... I I, one of our very, very good trainers was um, a, a lady from Sweden. And she is one of the best lip injectors that I've encountered. Uh, I've been to her trainings, et cetera, et cetera. And it was a very, very interesting thing that she said. And she said, my practice is today what it is because of the photos that I take. And it was, and she said, if you stage the before and after photo correctly, people will be breaking down your door. Hmm. So, when we do a lip treatment, we know immediately that lip starts swelling. There's redness. Um, the skin looks a little bit blotchy. There can be a little bit of bruising. Mm -hmm. And um, you know what? She, she told us you stage this by using a BB cream to um, even out the skin tone. And then you use um, a little bit of lip gloss to give that lip a glow and it's nice and puffy and gorgeous and this is before it's swollen and bruised and then you immediately take that photo with a perfect angle of light and that's your before and after photo. Mm -hmm. But you know what, 
a day after, that, lips look, that lip looks different. And two weeks after, the lip looks a hell of a lot different to what it did in the before and after photo. And I think that is something that patients need to remember. We can manipulate photos, not maliciously, but we do make photos for social media better. Also, when you take photos, especially with phones and you take faces, these algorithms in these uh, digital cameras that enhance features. It's not the same if you look at the photo and if you look at the person themselves because your brain doesn't enhance the image, but cameras do. So social media, I, I think, can be incredibly misleading. And then we get to and the... I think it, yeah. sorry, Ilza, mm -mm. I actually think that it, I, I think that it fuels body dysmorphia. Mm, and I want to... to to now get to the word, you know, all about uh, setting expectations um, as well. So, and it brings us back to the the consultation that you have with the patient. Yeah. So where do you start? Because for me, that first initial consultation with the patient is the most important, setting Absolutely. the expectations, um, knowing what it is that they would like to see. Um, also, you know, they might come to you with a certain request. And, and it's not what they need. And it's not what they need. Yes. So how do you approach that first patient that's never done any aesthetics? How do you make them feel comfortable? Um, and take us a little bit through, through how you assess that patient and where you start. Where do you okay. start? So when a patient walks into my office, the very first thing that I ask them is, why are they here? What is it that they want? And then, you know, but they would say, uh, I don't like this, or I want a little bit of toxin, or I want my lips done, and blah, blah, blah. So I have an idea of what it is that they have in their heads. And then I get them to stand up, and I have this full-length mirror in my office, which my patients hate. And I park them in front of the mirror, and I start with the following question. When you look at your face... What emotion does it give you? Um, are you looking angry? Are you looking tired? Are you looking sad? Is it saggy? And then I explain to them that that emotional response that they see when they look in the mirror and my emotional response is different. Think about um, I, what I explain to them is, I'm taking you and I'm letting you stand in the middle of a shopping mall and people walk past you and I stop the people. They don't know you from a bar of soap. And I ask them, what does, what does that person feel? So it's the emotional response that people get when they look at you. Mm. That gives us a lot because think about this. Everyone wants to look attractive in the sense that they want to attract other people to spend time with them. Not necessarily beautiful, but approachable, rested, and healthy. Mm. And that is where you start in aesthetics. It's that emotional response that you see when you look in the mirror because you have to look at yourself and you have to live in that phase. And the message that your face brings across to someone else. Let's take um, a, a, a guy in his late 40s, 50s, who's always scowling. So he always has these two lines in um, between his eyebrows uh, because he frowns. And... The image that you get from this guy is, this is a grumpy man. I don't want to approach him. But the moment that you soften those lines, he becomes more approachable. People relate to him differently. If you have someone who have bad eye bags mm -hmm. and tear troughs and, you know, a um, downturn in the corners of the mouth with marionette lines, 
you don't want to spend time with that person. Mm. Why? Oh, God, no. You know what? I don't want to be with a sad sack the whole time or someone that's tired because it feels like they're draining your energy. So it always starts with the emotional side of stuff. Then I, I actually get my patient to evaluate their own face by scoring different areas of a face out of 10. And I start with, let's score the forehead. So the forehead is the area above your eyebrows. And it's dramatic how bad women score themselves um, because they have a couple of lines and wrinkles. They would give themselves a five out of 10. And then I ask them, why? No, because of my lines. And then I say to them, okay, if we take the lines away, what's wrong with a forehead? Um, nothing. Okay, so do you really think it's a five out of 10? Actually, it's closer to an eight or a seven. See, and patients tend to just look at the lines. They don't look at contouring. They don't look at yes. balance. And that's yes. where you come in to explain to them Absolutely. that there's more to aesthetics than just a line. Absolutely. Um, what I want to illustrate <clears throat> to my patients when we do an assessment of the face is that there are so many different things that have changed that is leading them to see what they see. For instance, a jowl or a deep nasolabial fold. So yeah. the nasolabial fold is this line that runs from the corner of your nose to the corner of your mouth. That's the nasolabial fold. But, you know, it, you need to understand what caused that fold mm. in order to treat the patient effectively and choose the correct product. So that's incredibly important. So... You know, but when we look at the mid face, that's between the eyebrows and the tip of your nose, but it run, runs right across all the way through to your ears. And that's probably the area that we should take a look at as the foundation of your face. Because if things go wrong there, the roof, which is your chin, starts collapsing. Mm. So... Think about what we see in this middle area. We see tear troughs, eye bags, dark circles, often these temple hollowing, specifically in women. And temple hollowing, um, do yourself a favor and just take a pencil mm -hmm. and put it on your cheekbone okay. straight up. And if there's a, a deep hollow, uh -huh. You know what? That's called temporal wasting. And what that causes is the whole face, lateral side of your face, sags. So, you know what? Put your, put your thumb on your temple mm -hmm. and shift it upwards and look at what happens in your neck. Your eyebrow lifts, your cheek lifts, your corner of your mouth lifts, your jawline lifts, um, but patients don't understand that. So um, when you assess the face, you need to understand the anatomy and how the anatomy translates to the dynamics of a face. In other words, how the face moves. Okay? And, and that's very important because that forms part of a treatment plan that you have to put your patient. Now, when we look at the lower third of the face, that's from the tip of your nose to the tip of your chin, right around. What are the things that we see there? It's your nasolabial lines. Mm -hmm. It's the marionette lines. It's the shape and volume of your lips. What's the marionette lines? Mar think of a puppet. Yes. Okay. But a is marionette. That from your so that's from the corner of the mouth down to the to chin. The chin. Okay. It's that trap jaw kind yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. thingy. That we call that marionette lines. And then with the jowliness, which all of us hate, and I think women hates most. Um, and you know what? The shape and width and projection of your chin is incredibly important. I want to understand why chin stays in place and the rest falls down. Actually, the chin doesn't stay in place, Elise. It, it looks moves. like the that. The chin rotates <coughs> upwards. That's what I wanted to ask. So you. think of, I, I call it strega nonna. Do you know what a strega <laughs> is? Strega is witch. 
No, no. Little. So mm. little witch. So think about those Italian women specifically. Yes, yes. It's the tip of the nose starts rotating down. Mm-hmm. And the chin starts rotating upwards. Mm. So think about that look and put big lips on it. <laughs> So yeah, can you see why can you see why <laughs> it's the out. proportions of the face the balance in the face is what ultimately determines what you can do to lips and nose and eyes and chin and first it's, things first hey yes you always start with a foundation and in your face it's upside down so you start at the top Okay. So, Mark, you explain the aging process to your patients so that they can see and understand what you are referring to when you say that we need to rather focus on your mid face or temporal hollowing. Yes, um, absolutely. And we can do your lips last. We need to maybe just add some volume to your chin, not volume, uh, projection. projection to your chin. Um, so I like your approach to explain to the patient because if they understand the aging process and what it means for them and their face, then they will obviously understand what it is, the, yeah. n- the next step that they need to take. Also, once we've done that assessment of a face, I explain to them why they are seeing the stuff yes. that they scored. Yeah. So, you know what, we but need to... Un- I think I just want to mention, and I use myself how you explained it to me, is the skin condition as well. If you have a thinner skin uh, and if you have a thicker skin, like I've got a thick skin, you know. Wait, how do you tell? Like, if your skin well, that's the pre- thick, thin, what, what? So, feel your skin. Okay. Okay. So, patients of African descent mm-hmm. usually have nice, thick, great quality skin. Now, think of um, a, an older. Um, Caucasian lady. Okay. They have that thin, crepey kind of skin. Hmm. So, you know, with thick skin for us is easy to treat because it can stand up to robust structural and volumizing changes. Okay, that's important. But oh. thin skin, when the skin becomes papery or crepey, you know what? Now you have a problem because your support structure of the skin itself, Mm. the subcutaneous fat, is depleted. Hmm. So, you know what, you can't, you don't have space to inject anything there. So, you know what, it's difficult to to treat those patients. And again, you know what, then it comes to choosing the correct product. But I think we need to understand the aging process, process in the face. They have to, yeah, absolutely. The shape of your skull Mm -hmm. changes as we get older. If you give us a skull, an anthropologist, a skull um, of a young person and an an old person, or two skulls that you dug up somewhere, Mm -hmm. they will be able to tell you approximately how old this person is, Mm -hmm. just looking at the shape of the orbit in other your your eye socket, mm-hmm. the shape of your mandible, which is your jaw, the width, the height of of the mandible, and then we also look at the mid face area. So here the area next to your nose, mm-hmm. and the canine fossa. So if you if you put your fingers above your two little incisors, mm-hmm. right next to your nose, that's the canine fossa. So by just looking at that, we can tell how old it is because it becomes smaller. The eye socket specifically changes from round to oval. So when we look at older people, the tear trough, the eye bag, is partly due to the change of the shape of your eye socket. The zygoma, the widest part of your face, that mm-hmm. beautiful cheekbone that you have, starts flattening. Sure. And we lose definition there. 
in the mid face again this is here on your cheeks the front of your cheeks it's supposed to be nice and round and as we get older it starts flattening and receding backwards now it think of that area there as a support structure that's starting to collapse what's going to happen think of think of an umbrella mm-hmm. if you if you start bending the umbrella inwards um you know with the umbrella start sagging it so the skin is also going to sag and that falls downwards mm. to the nasolabial line so now you start getting these deep nasolabial folds because the tissue is falling across so if you put your fingers um on the lateral side of your cheek and you pull a little bit back mm-hmm. that nasolabial line starts disappearing why because we support the tissue upwards again mm. lips starts curling in on themselves so they start folding inwards towards the lips so you start losing the projection and that beautiful little soft ridge mm. um also your fulcrum columns these two little lines that that you see in sexy people um they also start decreasing sure. with your mandible your jaw your actual jaw the part that moves shortening and the angle that gets bigger so ideally um you know it look at superman's jawline mm mm-hmm. it's a it's a 90 degree square and as we get older it opens up so it becomes bigger so the angle becomes bigger from um maybe 90 to 100 degrees and suddenly it becomes 120 130 degrees it changes that shape of your face now that happens in women as well the height from the bottom of the jaw to your teeth decreases so think about an old person whose teeth who doesn't have teeth that's exactly what starts happening through the bone loss now if you understand all of these things and you understand how the muscles fit on top of that and how the fat pads fit on top of that now you can explain to a patient you are seeing what you're seeing because of that so if we want mm. to give you a treatment this is what we need to start with because someone would come in and say but i i you know i don't like this line mm-hmm. uh, the nasolabial line and 20 years ago we would inject that line but now we understand that it's because of anatomical uh, anatomical changes that we have to treat the mid face and on the zygoma and the patient think but why are you doing that this is not what i need but you know what if you can't bring that message across as to why this is happening and this is how we need to address it in order to give you a good outcome your patient's expectations will never be met and that's the most important absolutely. part absolutely yeah quick one so would you and then you know, like people that do, like either do like weight loss or weight gain right so like i'm presuming that has an effect on how the face looks absolutely but also um if i walked into your practice today and i'm like well dr mark i want to do something on my face but i'm also on a weight loss journey would you still take me as a yes, patient yes 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 and that's a brilliant question okay um and i think it it brings us to the new kid on the block mm-hmm. when it comes to aesthetic treatments um i don't know if um weight loss medication is trending big time mm-hmm. on social media and here we're thinking of ozempics and vasexendas and wegovies and the manjaros um and one of the causes of one of the effects rather of rapid weight loss with these medication is severe sagging in the face why because the one of the major support structures in the face is fat so in your mid face this cheek area next to your nose mm-hmm. you have 
a major fat pad. We call it the deep malar fat pad. And it sits on the bone and it gives projection to the front. And with that rapid weight loss, all the other fat pads, you have three above your eye, <laughs> three below the eye, your malar fat pad, your buccal fat pad, um, all of them starts declining. You break down that fat and that causes sagging mm. in the face. Now, the best way to address that is to keep the collagen in your face optimal. Now, the biostimulators, and here I'm referring specifically to poly-L lactic acid. And the product that's available in South Africa for polylactic acid is a Galderma product, and it's called Sculptra. It's a pure biostimulator. So for patients embarking on a weight loss journey that does not want to end up with sagging in the face, mm. if you walk in as part of my weight loss, it's one of the things that I make uh, or bring to your attention because it can be prevented. You know, but the last thing that you want is losing all the weight, but actually looking worse off. We, we see these, these very thin patients and they look, for the lack of a better word, ill. Um, they have bags under the eyes and hollows in the temple and hollows in the cheek. And if you want to see an example of something like this, Go and take a look at the um, my my website, Doctor Mark Aesthetics. Um, you can also find it on the T Clinic website, and go to um, the Sculpture page and see what volume loss in the face looks like. It looks like a patient who's chronically ill, uh, a, a patient with cancer or something like that. And the moment that you restore that natural volume in the face, oh my God! Uh, you know what, it's it's amazing. So it's, again, understanding what is going to happen, the dynamics of the face, and have a very, very clear understanding of the properties of the different products that you have available and these many that you can use. So I've referred specifically to Sculptra. There are other hybrid fillers mm -hmm. on the market. Here we're thinking of Harmonica, and we're thinking of radius, but listen carefully, they, they are hybrid fillers, tissue fillers, with some biostimulatory effect. Mm -hmm. They're not pure biostimulators. So there's differences. You can use whatever you want to, but each of them have a separate place for each patient. So Mark, just explain the difference between a biostimulator and a filler. And okay. we, we know that, that neuromodulators, they work on the muscle and you use that specifically to relax lines, etc. You can touch on that as well. But I think the, the, the buzzword out there these days in the aesthetic industry is, is fillers versus biostimulators and also when to use what. And in my mind, I would rather start making sure that the base is correct and the collagen stimulation yes, is there absolutely. and then build on there. So what, what's your thoughts around that? Okay, so let's just look at your three big injectables. We talk about the neuromodulator. So neuromodulator explains exactly what the product does. It modulates or changes neuromuscular intervention. So it changes how the nervous system activates muscles. And here we're thinking of your neurotoxins, botulinum toxin, uh, whether it's Dysport, Botox, or Zoom. Um, and think about um, lines that form with movement, in other words, dynamic lines. These are the lines on the forehead when you lift your eyebrows. These are the lines that form between the eyebrows when you frown. The laugh lines that you have around your eyes, the crow's feet. Mm -hmm. Neuromodulators are registered for the use on those products. So, it decreases the muscle's action. 
So, you know, but you do not form those hyperactive lines. You need to be careful, especially on the forehead, because if you overdo it, you can drop an eyebrow. And you only do that to a patient once. And you know what? You start looking over your shoulder um, because the husband wants to kill you. So um, your filler is different. Think of your filler as polyfiller. If we have deep lines and folds and cracks in a wall, you take polyfill and you put polyfill in, and then you paint over it. So fillers made usually from hyaluronic acid in a gel base is fillers. Now, fillers we inject, and what we treat with them are deep lines and wrinkles. We restore volume. Mm-hmm. where volume has been lost. We can create structure, for instance, mimicking uh, a, a bony projection, for instance. Here we're specifically thinking of your uh, cheekbones, the zygomas. Um, we can use it to augment and project and contour um, jaw lines, chins, in very experienced hands, and I cannot stress this one enough, very experienced hands, you can maybe think about using it on a nose. Um, Optimization, so maybe a little bit of uh, plumping of the lip. Different types of fillers can be used for different indications in the lip area. Um, So those are your fillers. Biostimulators, the definition of a biostimulator is a product that you inject and it causes a cellular response. In other words, it stimulates a reaction from the body's own cells. So that's a biostimulator. Now, biostimulators have been on the market for a very long time. You know, we actually, the dentists and the orthopedics, um, Elise, you worked a lot with it. Dentist orthopedics used it a lot, a, a, a long time ago to stimulate collagen. And, uh, you know, what? it was used for dental work and yeah. stuff like that. It's <clears throat> by um, your... Um, Polyalactic acid was used in suture material, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and it was. Ilse, help me correct. It's it was the first registration for aesthetic use was back in 1997 or something. Yeah, that's a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, but these products research, have been yeah, on the of, market for long. Yeah, but it it has evolved quite significantly. Absolutely, a lot of research Absolutely. has been done and put behind um, yeah. polylactic acid for aesthetic use and the way we use it today. Yeah, um, I think one of the first product. aesthetic indications was for patients with lipodystrophy, especially your um, HIV patients yes. on, on the old HIV medication. You could see them, you know, but the fat literally melted out of their faces. So it was almost as if skin was pulled over bone. Um, you know, but they had the severe temple hollowing, they had the severe uh, cheek hollowing, um, and that was where the biostimulators mm-hmm were uh, positioned back then and it's progressed. And today, in my practice specifically, it's probably my go-to product because you address so many different conditions. Now, as we get older, we start losing collagen at about 1% per year. So by the time that you get to your 40s and 50s, you've lost 20% of the collagen in your skin. And that leads to a couple of things. Number one, laxity of the skin. So if you want to test laxity, just pinch the skin on your cheek and pull it away. And if you can pull it away and it looks like a rubber band that you're starting to pull, that's laxity. Sagging is the second thing that happens. So again, all of us have sagging. How, which person does not stand in front of the mirror, boy or girl, and put their hands on, on just in front of the ears and just pull back and up. 
All yeah, of us do that. And, and wish they had a... <laughs> and, and if a only it will stay that. like that. Exactly. If you were Patsy, you actually use see-through <laughs> tape. That's what I do at night time. <laughs> so sometimes I forget them and then Elise has to pull it off and she rips <laughs> my beard. Um, so sagging in your skin. So sagging in the skin actually starts all the way from the temple and in the hairline. And that's what creates the lack of definition in your jawline. It's what creates the nasolabial lines. It's what it, it's what contributes to the jowliness and definitely in the sagging that you have in the neck. So biostimulators address laxity of skin. It addresses um, sagging. A beautiful effect of these things is that it treats the luminosity of your skin and overall skin condition. So pore size, um, pigmentation, scarring. And lo and behold, and this for me is incredibly important and, and, and probably one of the best aspects, it, it, it gives us natural volumization. Yeah, that's a big thing that I wanted to ask. Now, when, when I, we take a step back, the first I want to ask, collagen is a buzzword out there. Um, what's the, what added effect uh, will a collagen powder or collagen drink? I mean, you see and hear about collagen powders everywhere. Mm. Um, that will not give you the same effect as an injectable. Oh, God, no. Absolutely Do you use not. the two in a combination? I, I use the two in combination, but we use specific collagen supplementation. I always tell my patients, if you buy something online, you, you never know whether it's ground up horse hoof um, that you are taking because one simple reason, ground up horse hoof contains collagen. The problem that you have with any oral kind of collagen is it needs to be absorbed. Mm. So, you know what, you're going to break this collagen down. You're not going to absorb the collagen. You can't absorb collagen. You make collagen. So, yes, you want mm. the building blocks of collagen. So getting a good collagen supplement is essential. And a good collagen supplement is a supplement with scientific studies behind it mm. that actually proves absorption, not something that you get off, take a lot, um, ask for the scientific paper and see how many scientific papers are there that's been published in peer-reviewed journals or medical journals because that is what a good mm. collagen is. So, so rather ask your aesthetic practitioner for, ask your aesthetic for practitioner. information on Yeah, These two collagen products which we use in our practice, the one is um, a product from Evolution Cosmetics. It's called mm. Gold Collagen. Mm. The wonderful thing about Gold Collagen um, is that it also comes in a vegan preparation. Oh, it's a wow. plant-based collagen. And the other collagens are marine-based, contains lots of vitamins and minerals, everything that you need to actually absorb the building blocks mm. of that collagen that you're taking in. And then there's another one that's been on the market. It's probably one of the, the um, longest on the market in South Africa, and that's ProActive, okay. um, which is also a very good collagen. And that one really does have a lot of scientific data behind oh. it on skin, hair, nails, wound healing, teeth. Uh, joints, so you know what, mm. uh, collagen, be, just be careful. If you buy them, just actually do a little bit of research and see if there's uh, scientific data behind it before you spend uh, a lot of money because none of them are cheap. So Mark, you mentioned the natural results that you love about using a biostimulator. And I want to just backtrack now to dermal fillers. And we see a lot of, if I may call it now, botched faces or unnatural looking faces yes. and that is due to filler not being injected in the correct way or too much. Why do we see a lot of that these days and you know we don't want that to scare patients away from going for aesthetic procedures because in actual fact the whole idea is to still look yourself natural just natural and a little bit a younger version of yourself and not to walk out there looking like someone else. <laughs> I, I, Why I do we see that? what you've just said is incredibly important. I think, you know what, 
I refer specifically to that family of dark-haired women who turned <laughs> doing nothing into an art form and making money out of it. Um, the fact you know that I know who you're referring to Everyone knows that I'm talking about the Kardashians. So, you know, they built empires on doing nothing that's contributing to other people's lives, actually detracting. And, you know, if we look at the one sister, I think it's Chloe. If you look at a photo of her 10 years ago and now, She's it's, 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 it's mm. not the same person. Mm. Uh, the model one or the young one um, also looks completely different. They've altered themselves so much. Now, you guys, you need to understand that these people spend in ordinate amounts of money on microsurgery and those kind of things. It's not injectables. Ten years ago. Now, actually, let's go four years ago. Mm -hmm. The only way for you to treat sagging in a face was to create volume. Yeah. So, and I think that's one of the reasons why we had overfull cheeks. So if you wanted to make your jowls look better, you had to lift them. How do you lift a curtain? You lift it from the top. So you had to create volume above this area so that it stretches the skin up. And I, I think that was one of the most contributing factors to overfilled faces. Also, you know what, I think it becomes incredibly important in choosing the practitioner. So, you know what, I, I almost want to say, if you walk into a, a new practitioner and you say to them, I want that and that, and they go ahead without explaining to you why you are seeing what you are seeing, what the process entails, what product they're going to use for which reason you're in the wrong place. So, you know what? You do know that um, if that doesn't happen, you can walk out. Hmm. Um, so I, I think choosing your practitioner happens in your very first consultation. It's getting that understanding of what is happening. If you just quickly want to pop in for a little bit of Botox with someone, by all means, just make sure that they know what they're doing because walking around with litosis um, is is not something What's that you litosis? can fix. It's when the eyebrow or the eyelid drops okay. and it looks like you've had a stroke. Okay, that's that's my question. Don't you think, or I think it's so important that patients need to understand or clients need to understand when they can see an effect of a certain treatment. There's immediate immediate effects, and then as time goes on. Yeah, Elise, that's a very, very valid point that you make. So let's start with the most used aesthetic treatment, and that's your neuromodulators, Botox, Dysport. So yeah. let's refer to it as Botox, not as a product name, but as the treatment, treatment. that people know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what we need to understand with this is that – the onset of action is delayed. That neuromuscular junction gets blocked and inactivated. And that starts happening from about day four onwards. Sometimes in patients, they say, you know, at the next day they can start seeing a result. And with certain products like Dysport, the onset of action is a little bit quicker. But in general, you're only going to start feeling, feeling something at around day four. And at day seven, you'll start noticing something. But the maximum onset of action is only after two weeks. So, you know what? I tell patients that get Botox for the first time, please don't call me tomorrow and tell me that it didn't work. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear from you before 10 days. And you know what? If you are not happy, only come back at day 14 and then we can do a little bit of a top-up or something like that. But of course, it takes time. Now, Botox is probably the most safe, yeah, the safest of all the aesthetic treatments. Not probably it is. Mm -hmm. For the simple reason, 
nothing that we do with Botox is permanent. And how long does it last? Depends on patient to patient. The healthier the patient, the quicker they regenerate a new nerve ending. That nerve ending with the Botox is inactivated and the body forms a new one. Mm. Nerve tissue regenerates. So, you know what, um, usually three to four months, mm -hmm. um, that's the acceptable time period. It also depends on the dose that you use and in which muscle you put it in. Underlying health conditions also play a role there. Um, fillers, you know what, also depending on the type of filler, the quality of a filler, and where it's injected and the amount that's injected will determine the time. So we have non-cross-linked hyaluronic acid fillers, which last for a couple of days to a couple of weeks. And then when you get to your cross-linking um, of your fillers, these are more your tissue fillers that we're referring to now. Anything from six months to 18 months, I have to be honest, I've never seen um, a result that lasts 18 months from one filler. Mm -hmm. Never. Mm -hmm. Ilza, you've been in this industry for such a long time. We know that we can see the product in the skin if we do a biopsy or something mm -hmm. 18 mm -hmm. months later, but it doesn't have that effect anymore. Do you agree? I agree. And usually you have to have one small top-up to get it to the 18 months. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other discussion for another time. Um, and then specifically biostimulators, Mark, uh, the, managing the expectations on, on that is, is for me the most important Incredibly for the patient to important. understand. Yeah. Yeah. So a biostimulator creates collagen production through the stimulation of your body's natural collagen producers, and they're called fibroblasts, and this happens over time. So I always tell the patient when they come into me with a biostimulator, if you want a natural-looking result that's gradual and onset and long-lasting, you go for the biostimulator. Just know that you're going to spend a lot of money before you see a result. So you do your first treatment and four weeks later, you can't see anything. But some of your friends start telling you, oh, my God, your skin is looking so nice. And then in my practice, my second biostimulator treatment, and please note that it's a series of treatments, happens at week six. And now the patients start feeling that the skin quality is better. Hmm. Not necessarily seeing it, but feeling that the quality is better. And their friends are starting to say to them, you know what, you look, you look great. It's now, now it's not only the skin. And it's usually from about week eight, week 10 onwards that patients say, okay, when can I have my next treatment? Because now they start seeing results. Um, the rule of thumb when it comes to a biostimulator, pure biostimulator, not the hybrid fillers, pure biostimulators, is that you need one treatment per decade of life. So if you're in your 30s, you need maybe three, depending on the quality of your skin. And if you're in your 70s, you might need six or seven um, to get the result that you want. But you will get a result. It just takes time. So, you know, but managing the patient's expectations with that is incredibly important. So in my practice, we always take be good before photos and we tell the patient, you know, but we're only taking the next set of photos at week or at month six. And usually then we've done three to four treatments for them and the results are amazing. But you start getting feedback from other people. So run about, you know what, from eight to 10 weeks onwards in skin quality, in sagging laxity. And I just want to mention something. Biostimulators is probably the best treatment for men. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't change the shape of your face. You don't get big cheeks. You don't get anything other than a tightening and a lifting in the areas where you want it. And this is over the jawline and those fine lines and wrinkles that starts happening on your cheeks. It's brilliant for men. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a quick treatment. Um, it's fairly painless. There's no downtime, no swelling. You can go to an event directly after we've done this. 
Um, and no one will be the wiser. It's brilliant. Okay, so some Peewee is finally giving me the lasso. Ilza, when she walked into the studio, it's her first time in my studio, <laughs> she said to me, oh, my God, what are we going to talk about for an hour? Ilza, an hour is And finished. I still have a lot of other questions that I want you to get into, so maybe I must come back. App, well, you know what? Hey? That's a way of getting you yeah. back when they invite themselves. No, I've come up with some extra so, topics for you guys to discuss that I think is important and and. Um, my suggestion would be is to go into ethnicity ethnicities for <laughs> for aesthetics and also then the male patients a big focus and we've see we've seen a lot of growth in in the industry with yeah. with male patients. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. think for males the biggest thing that we treat is under eye bags. Mm. So under eye bags and maybe a bit of jowliness and double chins. Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's show. Um, <clears throat> you know what, if you want to know more, a little bit more about aesthetic treatments or if you're not sure about what can be done or what should be done, you know what, you're welcome to contact us as Dr. Mark Aesthetics. We're here in Bryanston, Johannesburg. The number is 010-824-1393. Ilza, um, thank you for joining us today. Um, and Sister Elise, um, we will be back next week with an incredibly um, insightful topic and something that a very good friend of mine, Dr. Vivian Jandera, it's her baby and it's close to her heart. And we're going to talk about breast reductions and the, how we approach the this. The week after, next week? It's next week, oh, the 21st. Oh, yeah. yes. Um, okay. How we approach this and <coughs> how we approach our medical aids to help us uh, deal with this problem, which for many women is debilitating both phys physically as well as psychologically. Until then, we wish you all the best in health. That was the Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.